Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three cr.org.au, and three CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon till one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. Today is an out of the pan super special. We've cooked up lots. Uh, it's the broadcast from Trans Day Visibility, March thirty first, two thousand and nineteen. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the original inhabitants and we pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the intersection of our rainbow communities and our original inhabitants which can include sister girls and brother boys and acknowledge their unique contributions to diversity on and around all the lands. And of course welcome to listeners of all genders including but not limited to ladies and gentlemen. If you want to get in touch with anything about the show um, you can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com, SMS at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And um, get in touch with me, um, not so much via a post, but via the out of the pan page or my personal page on Facebook. And you can SMS 61456751215. Well, a fantastic panel on Trans Day of Visibility, yours truly co moderated with the one and only. Uh, Mama Alto, whose initials M.A. stand for Magnificent and Awesome. Mama Alto, for those who aren't aware, is a jazz singer, cabaret artiste, gender transcendent diva and community activist. And it was a thrill for her to be um, co-moderate the special panel on Trans Day Visibility and do really most of it, as um, I'm not a person of colour. Jack Pallett is an 18-year-old half-Indian actor. He was the first of the three panellists. He has been in plays such as Gonzo Blemish and Here. Jack is currently studying VCAL at the Hester Hornbrook Academy. Ameo Leotu Lu is a public speaker, performer, advocate and community worker who has worked in education, the arts, employment, health and community services. She is a proud Simone Fafaini, trans woman of colour who infuses her proud identity in public speaking and performance works. Her talks focus around intersectionality, identity, Pacific culture, self-expression and gender. Her photography has been displayed locally and internationally and she has been featured at the United Nations in New York as well as in the acclaimed Forbes magazine. She's a lover of the arts, people and Italian food. There's diversity for you. And Jinghua Kwan is a Shanghainese writer, poet and provocateur living in the Kulin Nations. They co-founded People of Colour Performance Night Pock the Mic from 2010 to 12 and, with Darcy T. Gunk, co-founded Myriad Collective, a group of trans and gender diverse artists and organisers creating performance and exhibition opportunities since 2015. Formerly head of news at Sixth Tone, an English language media outlet covering China, Jinghua has also written for The Guardian, Overland and Asian Australian Arts and Culture magazine Peril. 
So they were the three panellists, uh, Mama Alto doing most of the facilitating. We pick up um, just into the panel discussion where the question was pretty much asked a sort of open question, what are the ups and downs of being a trans or queer person of colour? And we lead in to the answers there. The Trans Day of Visibility, Trans Voices of Colour panel and podcast were made possible with a Victorian Pride Events and Festivals grant. Queer culture that straddles lesbian and transmasculine spaces, I suppose. I think that sometimes, like, global conversations about trans rights that are often kind of come from a Western perspective, a lot of culturally specific and historically specific stuff can get lost in that. So for me, as a writer and reporter and as a a person of colour of Chinese descent, like resisting resisting that flattening of trans experience and gender diverse experience and particularly like a lot of our cultures that do have particular understandings of gender that might be different from the contemporary Western conception of gender, you know, making space for that complexity is really important to me as well. And that's a great quote to take us to the quarter mark of the, of the event in the broadcast, resist the flattening of trans identities when it comes to cultural contexts for trans people of colour, so that you can see the full spectrum of the rainbow or so that you can see everything in three dimensions instead of two. We'll have a quick breather on our fabulous Trans Day Visibility panel and um, resume it in a short while. You're here at Hairzine Hairs and maybe hopefully soon on 3CR. I'm your host, uh, Mama Alto. Joining me is Out of the Pan host, Sally Goldner. I forgot to mention the usual ways of getting in touch with the show still apply today. So um, if you're listening somehow, but here or beyond, you can still communicate up to me silently, although you were on aeroplane, but that's not going to work either, um, said the techno idiot. Um, out of the Pan 855 at Gmail, 61456751215. Tweet at Sal, God, at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line, and at 3CR. We'll look for the Facebook post, but even if it's on podcast, um, we'll take questions at any time afterwards. Let's get back to it. I feel like I've always something I've always wanted to be, a wrestling announcer. Round two. <laughs> wrestling is a great um, analogy for what we have to do with our identities as mm. queer and trans people of colour. Um, that's, that's what we'd love to talk about next. With being trans, gender diverse, non-binary people of colour, and indeed queer people of colour more broadly, um, there are multiple layers of identity. Uh, and I'd like now if each of our panellists could talk to the difficulties that come with those intersecting layers of identity, the ways in which you might be doubly marginalised, the ways in which it is difficult to operate as a person of colour in queer spaces, the ways in which it's difficult to exist as a trans person in spaces that are dominated by people of colour's traditional values or colonial values that might erase or cause problems with who you are. Does anyone have anything they'd like to talk to on that? Yes, but it's not really about the bad things. So I'm pretty uh, racially ambiguous, right? So I always got asked what I am all through primary school and most of high school. So when I realized I was trans, it was kind of like easy, like people questioning about me, about things that they really shouldn't be or don't really matter that much. It's kind of something I've always been used to. Racial ambiguity is a pretty good warm-up for being trans. (laughs) (laughs) Would recommend. I think that's such an insightful thing to say, and it's something, once I heard you articulating it out loud, it's something that I relate to a lot, because being mixed race and being a person of colour 
you grow up already used to sometimes being cast on the outside, being asked inappropriate questions about who you are, and growing up into your own queerness and your own transness is a similar experience. I even got told, no, you can only be one. <laughs> so I used to ask... Were my they talking about, race or gender? Race. Like, racially. You, can, you can't be Indian and white. You can only be one or the other. So I used to ask my mum a lot, what am I? She told me I was Olive. So I went around telling people I was an olive. <laughs> and then you helped them stir their martinis. <laughs> I, um, I always like to go with the beautiful allegory. You can add milk, but it's always tea, mm. right? <laughs> and so it comes in every colour, doesn't it? Um, Amal, can you speak a bit to multiple intersecting identities from your context as a proud Samoan person where conceptions of gender are different from popular Western ideas about gender. Yeah, if I take a look at my own uh, Fafafine identity from my own culture, from the Samoan culture, uh, we're quite warmly embraced. So it actually gives me leverage here in a culture that still is finding its way or trying to get its head around uh, gender, gender non-conforming, even the trans label. I think for me, bringing that I cultural identity of being fafafine, it actually gives me peace of mind that I come from a strong culture that even just have a thing, um, that term of coming out. When I explained coming out, I didn't really have a coming out because it's a Western concept. So the way I explain to people when they ask me what your coming out was, I always say, well, I came out of my mom's stomach. That was my coming out. <laughs> Um, but being warmly embraced by a culture that just has better things to do than be concerned about what you like to wear or the way you like to dress is such a healthy thing mental-wise because, you know, here for me, my, my personal struggles have been here in, in Australia in a Western, in a Western um, construct. Whereas when I went, was able to go back to Samoa two years ago and I hadn't been in something like 35 years and it was during the marriage equality, it was just nice to go to a place where you can, you can be transgender, you can be gender non-conforming and you can be whatever you want to be and you can hold down positions such as teaching positions, positions that if a trans person was outed here, you know, you'll hear them, you know, people would have a field day. So for me to be able to be immersed and be able to embrace my whafafine identity gives me peace of mind. I take it with such humility that I'm given that privilege to be able to be accepted in my, within my own culture and then I'm able to grow and then I'm able to just evolve as a Mao without any restrictions from anybody else. But it's being here in a Western concept that I've had a lot more of my challenges because people are still trying to grasp the concept of gender and gender diverse and non-conforming. But um, I take it with a grain of salt. I use it to, to my advantage of where, you know, I can bring up my own whafafine community in a culture that's still somehow baffled to, like, think, how is it that Fafafine can just walk down the road and be ourselves? I said it's a thing of, in Pacific Island culture, we see family as everything. 
I think in trans being here, we tend to build our families within our group of friends or our allies. So we take that concept and I take that personal concept of having really good friends, uh, really close family, and just using that to help me get through the day-to-day challenges that I face as a trans person here in Western Concept. And for anyone listening to the recording of the podcast or anyone here today who's from Pacific Islander Identities, and Amal has just touched on the concept of building families and communities, Amal is one of the members of a fabulous group called Vika Inc., uh, V-I-K-A Inc. You can find them on Facebook, and that's a group for people from the Pacific Islands and wider Pacifica culture who identify with it within an LGBTIQA plus umbrella. I'm going to throw to Jinghua uh, to hear a little bit before we go to our halftime announcement about your identity, the intersecting of a non-binary, non-conforming gender fluid identity uh, across cultures as a queer person of colour? Yeah, I think, I mean, even though I've been out, whatever, um, even though I've been in particular, like involved in sort of trans circles initially as a cis person and then as a gender fluid person for quite a while now, I feel like I'm still constantly misgendered by other trans people. Like, I don't know, all the time. I think... In terms of the intersections, yeah, there are really particular ways in which I think queer and trans spaces can be racist, both in terms of like culturally centering Western ideas about gender, about family, about um, what a good life is, what we want, where we're trying to get to, um, to really practical things like, I think now there is a lot more information, but say, you know, when I was first reading researching information about medical transition you know like the expectation uh, the the information you find on what you can expect is really centered on like white bodies um and how a white body uh responds to to hormones for example so you know myriad ways um from really tangible physical things to these sort of broader cultural questions um that's still something we're contending with and we're at the halfway mark now of our live event and broadcast turned podcast here at Hares and Hyenas with 3CR, Transgender Victoria, City of Yarra and Hares and Hyenas. And we'll have another short breather and come back after the halftime break when we metaphorically have a quick orange and re-sugar ourselves on Trans Day of Visibility. So to those of you listening on the podcast and for those of you live here at Hares and Hyenas today, welcome back to the Transgender Victoria 3CR City of Yarra Hares and Hyenas broadcast. And you're here for our special Trans Day of Visibility Trans Voices of Colour panel. I'm your facilitator, Mama Alto, joined by our host from Out of the Pan on 3CR, Sally Goldner. We've got our panellists, Amal, Jack and Jinghua here. And we're up to question three here in this very in-depth, very involved conversation. If anything uh, discussed today, for those of you listening to the podcast or those of you here live at Hares and Hyenas, raises any distress issues or concerns, you can contact Switchboard. 1-800-184-527 around the country. And, of course, a Switchboard, part of Q Life around the country and Switchboard here in Victoria. 
available as telephone counselling and web chat services. So we're going to dive into question three, um, something that's often asked on days of awareness, such as today's Trans Day of Visibility and November's Trans Day of Remembrance, is what changes would we like to see in the world? What positive impact, tangible changes, everyday actions or broader actions can uh, we ourselves, but also our allies, uh, take to improve the world and make changes for queer and trans people of colour? First, I just want to acknowledge one of our audience members who I spotted earlier, um, Archie, I can see, has recently helped author an amazing document of guidelines for cultural competency for galleries and visual arts spaces in dealing with and making accessible those spaces to trans and gender diverse people. And I think that's a great example of ways in which people and our allies can make positive change is by actually inviting us in to help make the changes and putting us in positions of power. That's an example of a large structural change. Uh, from our panellists' point of view, what are some changes you'd like to see either in people's everyday interactions or large structural changes like that one? I think that our cultural differences are not discounted, that we firmly encourage the discussions with uh, our people of colour communities because I feel personally that he needs to happen quite a lot in terms of a lot of the, the discussions that are centred around what affects us as trans and gender diverse communities, uh, especially around housing, especially around employment, especially around health. So just to be included in the discussions, um, as then, as I said before, not to be tokenistic or have us as the add-ons or the afterthought discussion, such as was seen in the marriage equality, but to actually really include us in those discussions and not make the assumption that we will come to you. Um, we have our own cultural barriers that, that keep some of our own people of colour from coming to those. And so to even have stuff, even translating material in different languages for GRBTI communities, from people of colour communities, just so that they feel included, that they go, oh, someone's actually taking a notice of us and wants to include us in those discussions. And I think that's, that's something that needs to be continuous because personally I still seeing that we're failing there. As I said earlier on, we must not leave anybody behind in terms of going forward. So continuing and being able to have discussions with people of colour and including us in the discussions. That's such a great answer. And I also think um, great examples of that happening recently, because as you've mentioned, visibility and representation can be a double-edged sword, where even if you are visible in the branding and marketing of an organisation, does that actually mean that your best interests are being represented in an active, everyday, uh, organisational way uh, that changes are being made, that you're being made to feel welcome? And I like to look at the recent examples of Switchboard, who we've mentioned several times today, recently started their QTPOC program specifically to reach out to our communities, QTPOC standing for Queer and Trans People of Colour. And one of their first actions was to appoint a um, queer, trans, non-conforming person as the head of that project, rather than putting somebody uh, from outside of our cultures in charge of the way in which we're spoken about and represented. 
I also also love the example of so many organisations adding brown and black stripes to the queer rainbow flag because after so long feeling excluded from many queer communities, whether that's from clubs and party spaces, whether that's from online social spaces and dating apps, whether that's uh, blatant unchecked racism or discrimination in our queer spaces, something visible like having those colours added to the flags says, says to us, no, you are welcome. It validates our presence and makes us feel like we have a right to be there after so many times that feels like it has been taken away. Um, Jack, do you have any examples of things you might, I know from your, from your career, being cast uh, as characters who are trans and gender diverse, which reverses a decades-long trend of having um, actors who are not trans uh, kind of do a version of trans blackface by performing across identity. Um, can you speak about some of the changes you'd like to see or that you have seen in, in the creative industries particularly? No, uh, one thing that I really love what they did with here is, and I hate that it has to be done, but they basically said, you can't use this script unless you cast a trans man as the trans guy in the play. So I'd like to see more than that. Embedded in contracts. Mm. That's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and it might sound quite draconian to use such a, such a legal framework to enforce things, but uh, for people who are not from a theatre or performing arts perspective... Things such as how long you can take a tea break for are often included in rules, laws and contracts surrounding our work in the theatre. So being able to embed things that have such huge, great social implications in the contract makes a lot of sense in that environment. And uh, on other things I'd like to see change, people making less assumptions. Because it makes an ass out of you and me. Mm, yeah. No, there's no person of colour look, there's no trans look, there's no autistic look. In that way, visibility, as mm. we said with Amao, is a double-edged sword mm. because visibility needs to be on our own terms. We should be um, able to just be visible as ourselves, not visible to fit into a stereotype or a benchmark of what people see that our identities should look like. It's an important point on Trans Day of Visibility, especially for anyone listening to the podcast or here today who feels as if they are not trans enough, <laughs> uh, which is something told to many people mm. who either... Uh, conform too well to a binary expectation or don't at all. Um, could we hear some thoughts on that from, from you, Jinghua? Yeah, absolutely. I think I have really mixed feelings about visibility because I think, you know, some of us are hyper-visible, some of us are not visible enough, and then visibility doesn't necessarily, you know, come with rights or understanding or justice or, or liberation or safety. Yeah, and some in some situations, like for a lot of trans people, being more visible means being less safe. So I think, yeah, we, I mean, we need to know exactly what we are trying to achieve by visibility, but also, this is a bit of a segue, but following on from what um, you were talking about, about not being add-ons, I think that's also really important to me, thinking about, yeah, thinking about these things in an intersectional way and not in an additive way, because I think that, you know, simply adding, say, race and trans together doesn't get the whole picture I think when it comes to, I think one, one realm uh, that I think this is really relevant is discrimination, thinking about discrimination, particularly like legal responses to discrimination. And, you know, I think in Kimberly Crenshaw's original writing about intersectionality, she talks about how a lot of the oppression that black women experience is not 
visible in adding together understandings of racism and sexism or um, but I think particularly like the way that discrimination law works in most countries is really about like almost proving that you have had this experience compared to someone who is exactly like you except for this one thing you know it's not it's really not usable for most of us because that's not the way that we actually experience it. So that's something that's really important to me, thinking about um, how we can challenge these things in a way, I guess, that is actually accessible to trans people of colour because also, like, you know, if the only way to challenge something is with a lawsuit um, or through institutions that we might not trust um, or might not want to engage with at all um, or that might have a very narrow um, conception of oppression, that's not really helpful. So I don't have, like, a direction, but... Um, but from both yeah. what Xinhua and Jack were saying, I think a large key to it is whenever anybody, trans or not, POC or not, trans and POC or not, wants to make that change, it's about finding sites of power, whether that's your power or someone else's, and making sure that that power is leveraged to create change in a, in a way that can last, endure and be powerful, uh, rather than just... A tokenistic way, as Amal was talking about tokenistic representation that doesn't affect lasting change. These are big weighty issues that we're dealing with today here on Trans Day of Visibility, live at Hares and Hyenas, podcast through 3CR, presented by Transgender Victoria and City of Yarra. Um, we're at our three-quarter way mark. Um, we're here with host of Out of the Pan, Sally Goldner, and uh, panellists Amal, Jack and Xinghua for our Trans Day of Visibility special event. Uh, we might go to our next question. This question is kind of the wrap-up, kind of the summary, because we've only got a tight hour for this special presentation. For this question, we would love to know, for our panellists, what are the key takeaways from our discussion today or the key takeaway messages of Trans Day of Visibility that you want people to keep in mind, whether that's about the nature of visibility, whether that's about ways in which they can help and change the global situation for trans and gender diverse people of colour, um, whether it's things about celebrating and loving uh, trans people of colour on days beyond um, awareness days or special calendar dates, or anything else that might have sprung to mind that you would like people to take away from this conversation with them. To kick us off uh, as a kind of stimulus point or conversation starter. Um, if you woke up tomorrow and found that you had a magic wand that you could wave and three things would change instantly to improve things from your particular individual point of view uh, for trans people of colour, what might it be? You don't have to say how it would happen, just what would it look like? Back to people not making assumptions so much. Obviously more representation, of course, but can I talk about a message I got the other day? Definitely. I'll just quickly say Sorry. it's a great point that you've raised, that visibility and representation without breaking down assumptions and stereotypes is not going to work. We need both. Mm. But tell us about the message you received. So, I'm waiting. I got a message from the guy. He asked me, how the f*** are you Indian? Just, yeah. Was it Mark Latham demanding a blood <laughs> quotient test? <laughs> Then he went on to complain that I look like a guy. I'm, what are you doing on Grinder if that's not what you're looking for? Sorry. Ah. 
Was his question, what are you doing on Grindr if you're not looking for no, racial stereotyping? My... <laughs> <laughs> no, that was my question to him after he asked, you look like a guy. And so this goes back to this nature of assumptions mm. and not only that people make assumptions, but they feel they have the right to interrogate somebody and ask somebody, essentially what we get asked as trans people of colour is, why don't you fit into my preconceived narrow understanding of what the world should be? Do you exist? <laughs> when, whenever someone from a minority is asked, that's actually what we're being asked. Um, and that's the power of days like Trans Day of Visibility is it's an opportunity for us and all of our allies to say, yes, we exist. Um, but we've got another amazing ally in the audience, Rachel, who made a Facebook post this morning that I saw that said, we have to think of days of awareness like Trans Day of Visibility beyond dawn to dusk. Why aren't we thinking about these issues every day and making change? We as trans people and we on this panel as trans people of colour and gender diverse people of colour are always thinking about and bombarded by these issues, but we need our allies to step up and make it every day where we can be safe, happy and visible, uh, not just on awareness days. I'd love to be asked, where are you from, and not question the intent behind that question. I'm sure all of our panellists can relate to that. Mm. I've been asked many times the question, where are you from, and when I give the answer of one of the suburbs of Melbourne, they say, mm. where are you really from? Yep. <laughs> and when you, when you continue to evade them and not give them the answer they want, I've several times after half an no, hour... No, but what's in your pants? Oh, Ooh. that's exactly the mm. same question. It's like the racial, gender equivalent, I mean. Yes, and mm. so these things overlap. Even though they're not direct, directly related or directly comparable, there's the huge overlap. And sometimes they just end up in frustration asking, why are you brown? <laughs> because that's what they really mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amal, what kind of key takeaways from today's discussion would you like to send? We've got a great one. We stop asking, why are you brown? Stop asking, what's in your pants? That's a great start. I think as a person of colour, as a Pacific Island person of colour, I think continuing on with the blueprint that's already been put down by my former trans sisters of Pacific identity, continuing the work that they've done or the legacy that they've put out there in terms of the work that they've done for third gender or gender non-conforming or trans people from the Pacific, continuing that blueprint and as the generation that we are here today, that we continue to carry over that blueprint and try and make the journey a lot more easier for the next generation of young people that will come through. Um, I think that, I think for me, that that is important. Mm. Just that blueprint that we're laying these foundations, and that we're continuing to soldier on and be empowered and include all of our other trans um, brothers and sisters, and we're remembering all our brothers and sisters and all all those in between from around the world, not just within our communities here, but the struggles that they go through uh, to find equality, that we continue on soldiering on, we continue on fighting, even though it's tiring, uh, but you know, also the allies that are included with us, that if you're going to be our allies, then you know, it's, not, it's not enough just to say, that, oh, yeah, we'll support you, but then you hear something negative that's been said about us in front of one of your friends or whatever, and you sit there and you do nothing. 
You know, we don't need that. If you're going to be our ally, be our ally and stand firmly. Stand up for us. Continuing on what's the foundations that have already been laid, just so that the next generation that comes after us, that it's so important that, that they have the journey a bit more easier, that they don't have to go through the struggles that some of us went through in the 80s or the 70s to be ourselves, to, be, to exist. And indeed, for following the blueprint, I think making sure people are aware of that history and the amazing yep. figures and that we've always been here, expressing yep. ourselves in different ways. Carmen Rupay springs to mind when we're talking about yeah, these, heroines uh, of the Pacific, Pacific. who ha- uh, led the way through the 20th century. Yeah. I might jump to Jinghua because we've got 10 minutes uh, eight minutes left before, and only four minutes before our wrap-up uh, from our amazing host, Jinghua, uh, what would you like to see? What takeaways from today's discussion or what key message would you like to give people? Uh, because sadly, Trans Day of Visibility is one of the days we're listened to, so it's the time to get our key messages out there. I have a few. Um, I think first, um, you know, remember that there's not one way to be non-binary or trans, um, and I think that's for all of us, even those of us who are trans or non-binary, um, respecting, I guess, like different... Everyone's experience and and their way of thinking about their experience and I think that um, even for example between like older and younger trans people like people have a very different language for talking about their identity and I think that like all of that is acceptable Um, and And sometimes sometimes in different languages yeah yeah absolutely Um, yeah so I think that's really important you know whether you think of yourself for example you know um, whether you think say um, my my body is non-binary because I'm non-binary um, or whether you think of yourself in terms of you know I'm a, a man in a woman's body or all of that I think making space for all of those understandings to be acceptable and to be people's real valid experiences another thing I think is just and this is for all of us if you're uh, the only trans person of color in a space or there aren't any you know who are you not seeing or who are you not inviting or what can you do to change that and then in terms of international solidarity, I guess, because that's like where my head is at, I guess I see a lot of queer and trans people care only about LGBTIQ issues. And obviously, like, we all have priorities and you can't be on top of everything happening everywhere in the world. Like, that's not possible. And I understand that that's exhausting. But, you know, trans rights are really tied up in other political struggles. And if, you know... Especially, I guess, I often hear people like ask me about trans rights in China um, and you just can't divorce it from support for social movements generally or democracy or political rights. Like if you don't have the right to organise for anything, obviously you don't have the right to organise for trans rights. So it is broader than that and trying to isolate um, just trans from these other issues is not possible. So there are three things that are on my That's mind. That's fantastic. And so now I'll do a key takeaway, which is a summary of the three panellists' key takeaways and messages from today. We have to stop assumptions about who people are and not feel emboldened to interrogate people based on those assumptions. We have to know our histories and follow the blueprints of those who came before us. We need our allies to be our allies all of the time, not just when it looks good or is convenient or profitable. We need to stop policing bodies our own and those of others in our communities. And we need to be across the overlapping nature of social issues rather than being siloed to specific issues. 
I'm going to throw back to Sally Goldner, our host for 3CR Out of the Pan, to do our farewell message and wrap-up with five minutes to go here at this special co-presentation for Trans Day of Visibility from Transgender Victoria, 3CR, City of Yarra and Hares and Hyenas. I'd just add to that summary, the thing that came to me which just reinforces what diversity is about is everyone is unique as an individual, all parts of us need to be equally valued and we all need to be valued. I was, I was reminded just listening to two threads of the conversation, an awesome refugee um, advocate, Tina Dixon, who does fantastic work, who, re who will not answer where she comes from because she doesn't think it's relevant and it's everyone's choice as an individual and that's what I think I've heard a lot of today if I had... If I could even narrow it down to one takeaway, which, as was said, we're all striving to be that individual and across all social movements. So it really has reinforced the value of diversity to just happily sit back and listen to the, the panellists today. I do have to wrap it up because we're moving to the end. People will be listening again on podcast on 3cr.org.au. Again, thanks so much to everyone involved, all at Transgender Victoria, um, who helped put this together, the... One, the only, I'm going to embarrass him by mentioning the fantastic events organiser, Teddy, who just leaves me in awe. My... Yes. <clears throat> My idea of events organising is um, taking a list of pizzas for a phone order. Teddy can juggle balls left, right and centre and make it look easy. Margot, who does social media and photography, who's here and does so much awesome work. Thanks, of course, to everyone at 3CR, um, Juliet, who wrote the grant, which is always um, a, um, a, um, an interesting work to do, to all the team who have put, helped put it all together on that side, and we, as I meant, will be recorded. Also, thanks to the Let's Give It Up for the amazing panel and facilitation. Thank you. And so just to remind you all here today and our podcast listeners, I've been your facilitator, Mama Alto, and our amazing panel, Xinghua Chan, Jack Pallet, and Amalio Tolu. Uh, you can hear more about and support voices of colour, queer people of colour and trans people of colour here at Hares and Hyenas at the end of July um, with the inaugural Iridescent Queer People of Colour Cultural Festival. Uh, we, which we all look forward to and hope to see you at. Thank you so much for joining us for this special presentation. And if at any time you need um, support, of course, the fabulous Q Life, including Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania, 1-800-184-527, but I know for me, I've been uplifted. And as I always would say, thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch ya next week. <laughs>